Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. So, has anybody ever, because I know I have, has anybody ever avoided their responsibilities? Anybody, just me? I, I, have, I have, when I was younger, I, became, I got in a habit of always avoiding my responsibilities. I, I used to avoid my responsibility, and some could arguably I still avoid some responsibilities. But I used to avoid responsibilities so much that I became a leader, this is a joke, over a nation, right? Procrastination, all right? Like, I avoided responsibility so much that I procrastinated so much. Um, so much so, I remember in high school, uh, one of the things that I would always avoid, and when I played football, the things that I would avoid, I would avoid summer workouts. Summer workouts. Now, uh, summer workouts were not mandatory. They are optional. But the coaches highly encourage you to do summer workouts. You say, why, why are those important? Because if you do not maintain your body throughout the summer, when you get ready for two-a-days, which two-a-days is when they have, like, two practices a day, and it's at the very beginning of football practice, right, you'll be out of shape. And you'd and you be behind everybody else and trying to catch up. Well, every time summer came around and I just got out of school and then, like, two weeks later, summer workouts would start, I would always say, hey, you know what? I know they start today, but I'll start tomorrow because I want to enjoy my summer break, right? I, I got out of school, like, two weeks ago. Like, I want to have my own time. And, and then I would not go to summer workouts, and then tomorrow would come, and I would say the same thing. I'd say, oh, no, nah, I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll go tomorrow. You know, and I would say that over and over throughout the entire summer. And before I knew it, two-a-days is about to start. There's like a week left of summer workouts. I'm like, oh, snap. And so I'm trying to jump in to these summer workouts so I can be ready for two-a-days. And then who knows that all of a sudden I'm behind everybody else. And then two-a-days start. Like when, when football practice starts, you can always tell who did summer workouts and who didn't. Because everybody's just running around. And I, after like five steps, I'm like, panting for breath, you know, I'm like, I'm out of shape, you know, uh, and then every time, every time I would go through two a day, or two a days, and football season would start, I always, like, said, man, I wished I would have gone to summer workouts, I would have been way ahead where I am uh, right now, and so that kind of related me with Jonah, I kind of relates with Jonah, because all Jonah's doing is avoiding responsibility, but if there's something I've learned, is that avoided responsibility is a wasted opportunity, Right? Avoided responsibility is a wasted opportunity. See, Jonah was trying to avoid this responsibility given him from God to give a message to Nineveh. He was trying to avoid that responsibility so much so that he went in the opposite direction. See, Jonah felt unqualified and out of place of going to Nineveh. He, he, God commanded him, hey, go speak and portray a message to Nineveh, and he went in the opposite direction. He avoided his responsibility. But who knows, sometimes the call of God is going to bring you to a situation where you feel out of place, but you have to understand that you're under his grace, that you're under his grace. See, operating under grace really just means that we're operating outside of our capabilities. That's all grace really means. When we say that we're operating under God's grace, what we're doing is saying we're operating outside of our capabilities, and we're operating under, under God's, like, unmovable, unlimited power. See, what I love about grace is that if you ever feel unqualified, grace qualifies you. 
right? If you feel like you don't have experience to do something, if you feel like you don't have to know how to do something, grace is what gives you the wisdom and the knowledge in those moments, right? If you ever feel that you're incapable of something, grace is what makes you capable. That's what I love about God is that his grace is sufficient for all our needs, amen? If there's one thing we learn from the story of Jonah, right, there's one thing we learn is that you can't escape God, right? You can't escape him. His, his grace will always chase you down. But the thing about Jonah is that Jonah, he was a well-known prophet. He wasn't just some random guy. He wasn't just God just didn't just drop this message on somebody who's never even heard of God before. He was, it said in Scripture in 2 Kings 14, 25, it says that he was a well-known and successful prophet. And we all like a prophet's number one job, all he has to do is this one thing. He just portrays God's message to his people. That's all he has to do. That's a prophet's job. That's all he, all he does. So what I was wondering is that, right, Tarshish, where he was going, where he turned his back on God, where he was going, was in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh where God called him. How does this successful prophet, Jonah, who has seen God's power, who has seen God work through him, who knows that God's will must be done, how can this man, who is a prophet, who is well-known, all of a sudden turn his back on God and is go in the complete opposite direction? How does that happen? Because if you don't manage your success right, you can forget who your source is. If you don't manage success right, you can forget who your source is. And the first point of tonight is, that is when we're talking about grace, is living by grace is to be spirit-dependent, not self-sufficient. What does that mean? It's that saying, when I live by grace, I'm not relying on past success. I'm relying on the spirit right now. I think what happened with Jonah is that he became so successful, it says that he was well-known, that he came so caught up with hearing God's message and betraying to God's people, doing it over and over, that when he heard something he didn't like, he was so successful, he said, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And he forgot where that source was coming from. It reminds me of King Saul. When right, King Saul was anointed by God to be king over all of Israel, he was anointed. He had the special anointing on his life, but said as soon as he got caught up in his own success, it says he lost that anointing. And the first thing what, I, what I've realized about grace is that when we live under grace, it's not that for us to be successful, right? When we live under grace, it's for us to know every day that our source comes from God. Our source comes from God. It's not from past success. It's not from past victories. I'm not going to live tomorrow and yesterday's success, right? Living under grace is knowing that I am not self-sufficient, right? I can't do this on my own, right? I need God every day. See, if you don't learn to manage success right, success will begin to manage you, right? If you don't learn to say, hey, you know what? I know God's bringing me all this success, but I'm not going to forget who's giving that to me. I'm never going to get caught up and be thinking that I'm, I'm successful because of my own ways. I always need to understand that God's grace is what enables me to be successful. See, a day will never come where you won't require God's grace. There won't become, come a day where you're so successful and you've, been, you've required all these things where all of a sudden you can say, hey, God, I don't need your grace anymore. That day will never come. See, Jonah thought he reached that day. But what he did is that he stepped outside of his grace. He stepped outside of his grace. 
But as we continue, uh, let's, let's continue into, into the story of Jonah. So we're going to pick up where we left off in Jonah 1, uh, verse 4 through 6. And it, and it reads this. It says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was asleep, down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Have you ever been so distraught with life? Have you ever been so fearful of the future and so fearful of your problems and, and, and you've been wanting to escape so bad that instead of facing your problems, you decided to sleep? Has anybody done that? Like instead of waking up in the morning, you just hit that snooze button over and over because you would rather sleep and hoping that when you wake up, things are magically different. Has anybody been there? Has anybody been there? I think Jonah was in such a battle with himself because he knew what he was doing was wrong. See, he knew that he was turning his back on God. And he was saying, maybe if I just go to sleep, maybe if I just go to sleep, maybe when I wake up, things will be different. I think, he's, I think he was feeling bad for himself. But who knows that self-pity always leads to self-destruction, self-harm, or self-sabotage, right? Who knows that self-pity will always lead to self-destruction, right? But sometimes it takes a storm to wake you up. Sometimes it takes a storm to wake you up. And that's the second point is sometimes grace comes in the form of a storm. Sometimes grace comes in the form of the storm. Because who knows, sometimes it takes a detour. It takes something to go wrong to realize you're not going in the right direction. Imagine if Jonas on the boat sailing to Tarshish and everything went according to plan and he steps on Tarshish, he would have thought he was in the right. But sometimes grace comes in the form of the storm and needs to wake you up. And you need a wake-up call every once in a while. Because who knows, it's been in those moments in my life when I've tried everything, when I've been trying to do everything I know how to do, when I've been trying to keep everything under my control, that I've realized that I have no control. And I'm, I reach that moment where I'm saying, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you, right? It's that wake-up call. It's that wake-up call that changes us, that gets us back to under his grace, that says, God, you know what? I just want to go back to the start with you. You know, I, I've been getting caught up in my success or my decisions where I, I've been trying to make them on my own, but God, bring me back under your grace. I believe that Jonah had this wake-up call. In Jonah 1, 12, 15 through 17, it said this. It says, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice, vowed to serve him. I believe that Jonah stepped out, woke up, looked around that boat, saw the boat was being tore apart, and he said, what have I done? Right, he said, what have I done? And he saw what he did, and he said, and he said God, just don't let these people die because of me. And he tried anything he could to get back into the will of God. See, Jonah hit this rock bottom, but sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom to turn you back to God. Is anybody here? Sometimes it takes you hitting that place where you thought you would never hit and going to that place where you thought you would never go for you to realize, you know what, I can't do this life thing 
on my own. And it makes you turn around and say, and it makes you look around and say, what have I done? God, bring me back under your grace, right? Bring me back to your grace. Maybe when it feels like things are falling apart, what I love about grace is when things feel like they're falling apart by grace, they're falling together, right? Sometimes when your life is, it feels like nothing's going right by grace, God is putting them and piecing them together. See, grace can turn your rock bottom into a launch pad into your destiny. Grace can turn your rock bottom into a firm foundation to start rebuilding again. That's what I love about grace, that it always gives you that second chance. Amen? Amen? All I know is that what I like about grace is, just like Jonah, it doesn't take perfect people. It takes a broken person to realize they need grace, right? If there's any, is there any broken people in the house, right, they just need to cry out every once in a while and say, God, I need your grace. I can't, I'm not perfect. I can't do this on my own anymore, right? I need your grace. See, God's grace doesn't, doesn't go to the ones who claim to be perfect, but God's grace resides over the ones who claim they need him, right? They need him. We need him. We need him. I never want to reach a place where I'm not desperate for God's grace. I never want to reach a place where I, where I think I've outgrown God's grace. I never want to reach a place in ministry to think that I don't require his touch every day. I always want to stay in his perfect will and never think that I can reside outside of it. Amen? But God does not give us his grace just so that we could accumulate blessings, right? God doesn't give us his grace so that we could accumulate stuff and just so we could have favor. God always gives us his grace so that we could make an impact for him. So that, we, so that we could steer people closer to him. God doesn't bless us just so we could get a new car or get a new house. God blesses us so we can make an impact for him. What I love about the story of Jonah is that those sailors who was in the boat with Jonah, when, they, when Jonah was casted out into sea and the, and the storm stopped, it said that they turned their hearts to God. And they, they saw it. And it was by grace that those sailors were saved. And when when Jonah was swallowed by that fish and spit back up in Nineveh, it says that when he preached his gospel to those people, 120,000 people were saved. Who knows that that's God's grace. It's always for you to make an impact. It's not for you to, to become more successful or gain more blessings or favor. It's always so that we could steer people towards heaven. Amen, church? Amen, church? And here's the thing about Nineveh. Nineveh wasn't a city where you just walked in and everybody was good with it, right? Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian nation. And the Assyrian nation were a bunch of Gentiles. They weren't God's people. I mean, they, they, they were not, like, they were evil people. These, weren't, these aren't good people we're talking about. This isn't, this isn't people who made one mistake. These are people who have a lifestyle of doing evil things. And Nahum... Uh, 3, 1 through 4, it talks about Nineveh real quick, just to kind of give us uh, an idea of what Nineveh looked like in that time. And it reads this, it says, What sorrow awaits Nineveh, the city of murder and lies. She is crammed with wealth and is never without victims. Hear the crack of whips, the rumble of wheels, horses' hoofs pound, and chariots clatter wildly. See the flashing swords and glittering spears as the charioteers charge past. There are countless casualties. Heaps of bodies, so many bodies that people stumble over them. 
All this because Nineveh, the beautiful and faithless city, mistress of deadly charms, enticed the nations with her beauty. She taught them all her magic, enchanting people everywhere. Who knows? That's a place you don't want to go. You read about this place, Nineveh, and if God called you, who knows, you would second-guess God and say, God, you want me to go there? These people who killed kill the Israelites, who live the exact opposite life that you call us to live, you want me to go and preach your message to them? A great analogy uh, when I was studying this that I heard is that imagine a Jewish man in New York during World War II when all that stuff is going on and God coming up and speaking to him and say, hey, the German nation is, is doing evil things. I want you to go out there and preach my message to him. Who knows that that would be very difficult for that Jewish man to say, I'm going to go there where they're killing my people and show them mercy and grace. This is what Jonah was going in contact with. See, I think the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh is because he felt out of place. But God understand when you feel out of place, when, when God calls you there, you're under his grace. Come on, if, if you know, if, if you feel out of place being a mom, know that God has given you the grace to be a mom. Right? If you feel out of place to be a college student, know that God has given you the grace to be a college student. If you feel out of place at your job or occupation or to be a father, son, or whatever it is, if God has called you to that place, he has given you grace for that place. What I love is, is it's not about the, the outer circumstance but the inner confidence knowing that we were not placed in this city by accident, right? You were not placed in your family by accident. You were not placed in those jobs, those occupations where you're at. Whatever, where you were placed, it wasn't by accident. It's by design. If God has placed you there, then he has given you the grace to thrive where you are at. If you hear what I'm saying, if anybody doesn't feel like they're, they're out of place where they're at, if anybody in the, ho- in the house feels like they, 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 they do not feel, they feel out of place in, in their household, it, it, at their work, or in their families, know that God's grace is sufficient. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've been placed by grace. I've been placed by grace. It's not about what I'm equipped with. It's about who I'm acquainted with, right? That's what grace is. It's not who I, what I'm equipped with. It's about who I'm acquainted with. When you start understanding grace, all of a sudden you know, you know what? Fear can't stop me, right? Inexperience can't stop me because it's not even about me, right? When you step out and you step into his grace, you know that his grace is sufficient. What that means is no matter what kind of inexperience, no matter what you're incapable of, no matter what you think you don't have, if that's where God's called you and that's where God's placed you, that's where God's going to grace you. Can you stand with me tonight? Grace is knowing that I'm not going to do life on my own. I'm not going to do life on my own anymore. Our closing scripture for tonight is Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. See, grace is provided by God, not produced by man. Grace is given, not earned. 
what I'm trying to tell y'all tonight, if y'all catch anything, is that y'all don't have to be perfect to qualify for God's grace. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have your future pinned to a point. You don't have to have everything understood to qualify for his grace. See, it says that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, who we did not deserve, to die for our sins and pay the price that we did deserve. If there's anybody in this place tonight and you want God's grace and you're tired of trying to do this life on your own and you're saying, I don't want to operate outside his grace anymore. I don't want to operate outside his presence. I don't want to operate outside his will. I'm done trying to take on life on my own shoulders. I want to put all my worries, all my fears. I want to give it all, the good and the bad to God. I want to operate on his grace. We're going to pray right now. Father, I thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient, that you are all that we need. I thank you, Father, that we just want to be in your presence, Jesus. I thank you, God, that your grace is what we chase after, God, that we don't want to step outside of who you are. We don't want to step outside of our calling. We don't want to step outside of our will, God. I thank you right now, God, that your grace is falling upon this place. I thank you, Jesus, that your presence is in this room. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit is stirring up right now, Father. I thank you, Jesus, that we are broken people. We are imperfect people. We are people who don't have it all together, but we are people who qualify for your grace, not because of what we have done, but because of who you are, Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your grace is what we need. I thank you, Father, that right now we're not going to step outside of who you are, but we're going to operate under who you are, Father. We love you, Jesus. Come on, church, you to feel God's presence in this place tonight. If you feel them working, why don't you give them a shout of praise? mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.